When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the end of the year, I guess, uh, edition of Sharing Socks. I'm uh, Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son, and usually West Coast correspondent Will, who is today the far, 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 far west correspondent, because he's in Honolulu shooting an episode of NCIS Hawaii. Has a few days off to talk socks, such as it is or even more interesting topics, such as they might be. <laughs> and one thing I will say that Will had said to me, he lives in Los Angeles, uh, so Otani craze, big there, but the, nothing apparently compared to Hawaii, which is so heavily Japanese. Well, you know, as the Dodgers are still looking for Yamamoto, potentially, I just thought if I got a little closer to Japan, I'd be able <laughs> to be a little more in the conversation um, so the Dodgers got Shohei. That's news to me. That's that was probably pretty <laughs> big news. Um, I thought the White Sox were right there, right, right there. there. I know I, they I, said. I, just... I know they got fined for saying that they weren't going to go for him before it was okay to say that. Uh, but I, I still think they were right there. They probably he ended up getting seven hundred over ten. The White Sox probably offered him six ninety eight over eleven. Uh, which would have beaten their largest signing ever by about 698. 623. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I, just, I just wrote a piece. Uh, that we're recording this on Saturday the 17th? 16th. Close. Sunday, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Sunday the 16th. I'll get there. <laughs> Sunday something. the 17th. There Sunday you go. Sunday the 17th. Okay, all right. We got it. <laughs> Uh, and I have just written a piece that it that'll be posted at some point down South Side Sox saying the White Sox a great team to root for at the holiday time because it's such a stressful period of the year. We have no stress. Stress free. You are worried about who gets, who's getting Yamamoto or or the fact that Aaron Nola went elsewhere or none of this. Now White Sox did just hours before we're recording here. Uh, signed Chucky Robinson to a minor league contract. Which, uh, it, you know, Chucky Robinson, who is considered the Shohei of wherever Chucky Robinson's from. So this is big news. Big, big news. Yeah, so he hit 136 in a brief time up with the Reds. That's uh, White Sox material. Yeah. We, we should but they, we I, but All the people that they've signed and, and what they hit, I mean, the best hitter really out of Everybody that they've gotten in trades or signing is Nicky Lopez. And I, I happen to be a Nicky Lopez fan. I really like Nicky Lopez. He's he's so much fun to watch play the field. Um, so I'm sitting here talking to the Nicky Lopez fan. That's pretty <laughs> exciting. No, Nicky is not, from not hating Nick, on Nicky. Not hating Nicky's on Nicky. from Naperville. So there are oh. gonna be other Nicky Lopez fans around. Wow. Uh, one of the things that okay. people have noted is that most of the White Sox new players 
have some Chicago area tie. They were born here. They lived here. Their families here. So they, it's, they figure it's all employed to be able to sell at least a couple dozen tickets in 2024. It's not going to work. It's <laughs> not going to work. They keep signing all these guys who may or may not be Major League Baseball players in the spring. But I guess because you're the White Sox and the condition of the organization, they are more likely to be Major League Baseball players than they would be if they were anywhere yeah, else. I mean, from their point of view, you're, the good players want to go to a team that's winning. If right. you're a bad or uh, bad in some way, I mean, Nikki's excellent. And they got a lot of good defensive players. They got some Max Stassi. Very fine defensive catcher, can't hit a lick either. Although yeah. he hits some homers, but that's all he does. He doesn't do anything else. He's kind of a Maldonado kind of hitter. Uh, but not as good as Maldonado. <laughs> but, I feel like most of these guys have Chicago ties, so they, you know, it's, it's a big benefit there. I feel like what the White Sox did in this offseason was they said, All right, we want, we want, you want a thousand, right? Like batting. You want a thousand fielding percentage. You want a thousand. So combined, if you can get a thousand, they got. I think they got some that didn't make that. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. But you know, a lot of guys they're like, okay, if his fielding percentage is nine fifty, then he only needs to hit fifty, and we're at and most a thousand. Of them, most of them have done that, and and <laughs> most of the current players have done that. So so they're in exactly. Good shape. Uh, I think we are out of the range of Luis Robert possibly going anywhere. I fortunately for White Sox fans, I think Luis Robert is safe at this point. Yeah, uh, I, I I would think so. They got to have somebody to draw a few fans out there to watch. And the defense should be better to watch, but everybody's going to be hitting line smashes everywhere. So I don't know if it makes any difference because there are no pitchers. Speaking of which, Dylan Cease. Um, St- still a White Sox. Still a member of the White Sox. It's still early. It's, you know, we haven't hit Christmas yet, let alone the key kind of early oh, January he's, times. He's gone. He's, he's gone. Question is, question is where and for what or whom. Uh, lately, I've seen indications some more teams are entering the fray, including the Dodgers. Uh, as mentioned as a possibility. Um, I think nothing's going to happen with C's until Yamamoto makes a decision. Yes, Yamamoto it's a, is... It's a different thing. I mean, we're talking to $300,000 or so free agent persons of trade, but still a team that that picks up Yamamoto is not going to trade for Dylan Cease. Unless they're 300 really million. Pitching. Yeah. say 1,000. <laughs> yeah, like if, if it's three hundred thousand, then he might be going to the White Sox. But he's he's actually a little yeah. better than that. Yeah, so they're talking three hundred million on him. Uh, and yeah, then some of, the other good, some of the other good pitchers are still out there. Jordan Montgomery, for example, is still out there. Uh, Blake Blake Snell, Blake Snell, uh, is still who out is there. also not going to the White Sox. By the way, no, none none of these guys are going to the White Sox. But just a matter of how teams line up to still be in the market for C's. Baltimore and the Reds have been the, the names all along. Uh, others have been entering in here or there. Uh, I've said three or four more mentioned in the last few days. Could be anybody. Uh, Baltimore makes the most sense. It really does. Superb <laughs> farm system, and they're desperate for pitching. And they don't pay for big free agents. So they're Here's not going to the be thing, in on though. any of those guys. But but why would they 
why would they go big kind of for the first time in ages to get Dylan Cease? You know, it's a guy who maybe Cy Young material or maybe fourth starter material, and we don't really know. Uh, I would not sell the farm for Dylan Cease right now. I, I just would not. In fact, I kind of have a theory that the White Sox are better off not trading him now. And deadline? Hope- Hoping that he has a decent first half because everybody's values inflated at the deadline and you're going to get more at the deadline than you are in January, which is the other time he's likely to go. If you're Baltimore, you're coming off over a hundred wins. You're coming off winning the AL East. I realize you don't have any marquee starters, but I'm not sure Dylan Cease is that, um, Uh, He could be that for sure. Don't get me wrong. But are you going – they have a great farm system. Are you going to sell the farm for Dylan Cease? And I just don't know. It's not an obvious answer like some of the other guys. Um, When it comes to the Dodgers, I think – I would think they're likely out on Dylan Cease just because of the glass now signing. They do need other starters for sure. I mean, we are looking at starting three rookies and Glass now and Walker Bueller at the start of the season. However, I I just don't know. And both they're, both both Bueller and Glass now, both superb pitchers when healthy, are going to be on an innings limit. For because sure, because they haven't been healthy. Glass now has never pitched more than 120 innings. I think it is, and Bueller's yeah. coming off major surgery, so. And with Glass now now signed to a a pretty healthy extension, they're going to be even more careful with him. I think if if this were a loner, they would just sort of pitch him till he's done. But they've got him for four more years, so health is definitely going to be uh, the concern there with him. I don't see the Dodgers going in for Cease because of what the price tag is. Um, but again, it it all comes down first to Yamamoto and Snell. I I think Yamamoto and Snell have to land before any of these guys really start moving with these trades. Um, I, I I just don't. The Dodgers are so proud of their farm system, and they have a shockingly great farm system for a spending team. Most of the time, your spending teams don't have great farms. Uh, the Dodgers are a, a huge exception to that. Number two or three ranked farm system, depending on where you look. They have guys they can give up. They have a few catchers uh, who are likely going to be in the major leagues. So they could part with the catcher. Uh, there are some other position players they could part with, some young arms. I, yeah, I don't know how much the White Sox would be seeking. A cat. They, they've picked up four catchers. Yeah, exactly. But Which none, is why none of them can hit over about 050. But uh, you know, you've got two minor leaguers, although Corey Lee ended up in the majors where he should not have been. Uh, but those two minor leaguers are now Stassi and then Robinson is predominantly a catcher. So, yeah, I I just don't see a, a trade fit there for the White Sox because I think the Dodgers in any deal they make for a pitcher is going to include catching prospects because they have a wealth there. I mean, not only do they have 
a big league catcher who is going to be the big league catcher for the foreseeable future and Will Smith. They're they're not itching to bring up these guys anytime soon. Um, and so I think a catcher kind of has to be part of the package. And the White Sox, while they don't have a good catcher, uh, have a lot of catchers in the system right now. I don't know how many they'll keep, how many they can unload, because uh, they're not great. But I just don't know if Cease will go there. I, I could see him going to Baltimore, but it is, you know, not characteristic of Baltimore to make these kinds of moves. And when you're coming off a massively successful season, do you trade a lot for uh, a guy like Cease who you may not be able to re-sign? Um I'm not sure. The Reds also make very little sense to me. Um, they, I agree with you that these teams make the most sense, but they also don't make a lot of sense for me because the Reds are a young, young, young team. Uh, well, what, they, what they're loaded with is, is middle infielders, which is an unusual circumstance. And while the Sox, correct. again, have picked up, I don't know, 125 middle infielders lately, you know, Lopez and... Uh, Oh, who else we got here? Uh, but the, uh, well, oh, the well, question the is... Well, the young they picked up to, to be a, be a oh. shortstop. Right. Uh, <laughs> of course. But but the question is there, uh, do the... You know, do the Reds need a guy like Cease immediately to become the next level of competitive? And I'm not sure that whose price tag is going to be very high, is going to bring you into contention, even in the terrible NL Central, um, in which the Reds could be competitive, but I'm not sure that Cease's price tag matches what he will do to advance your team. And I feel the same way about Baltimore. I mean, you won the stacked AL East. Some of the AL East teams have gotten better. The Yankees have gotten better by adding Juan Soto. Um, they don't have any pitchers either. So I could see a world where Cease ends up going there, but they also don't have much to offer. That's a a fair fair trade. Even even (laughs) up. I will say Jerry will work out for the whatever hundreds of millions he's owed. If you can get Juan Soto, then you have such a spectacular center and right fielder (laughs) that maybe, maybe you're worth coming to watch. Uh, and then you have the most expensive guy currently in left field in Ben Attendi. Uh, but then it kind of gets uh, hazy around every single other position. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, you know, what I was thinking, because I, mean, I talk probably every every time that we, we were talking, I talk defense, really need defense. And uh, the in, in fairness for Chris Gatz, he has talked that big time too. And they got a lot of good defensive guys, middle infielders and catchers, really good. And if you have a very fine lineup otherwise, you can afford light hitting second baseman shortstops and catchers. But when you have one other (laughs) otherwise, um, you can't really afford that. Do you think think Eloy is going to be on the move soon? I would not be at least bit surprised. Not, but not where a, does he go? 
That's the thing I'm struggling. Well, to things have out. been widened because of the NL picking up the the designated hitter. Nobody's going to put him in the field who has a, anything in the right mind. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you still who's going to play play right? Gavin Sheets, I, I guess. Uh, oh my goodness! Sheets should be on the move, but I I don't know why anybody would want him. Uh, Low price tag. For a left-handed, uh, the only place he can DH. hit is in Chicago. Uh, I, I, I don't know. He's, he's not a good DH. He can hit right-handed no. hitting some, but, but yeah, that's yeah. That's it. I, I'm, I mean, he's legitimately like a, a guy you bring in in the eighth to face a right-handed reliever and hope that he strikes gold once every five times or something like that because he does not have a lot to offer. Eloy. Everybody's got Aloy is a heck of a hitter when yes. he is healthy and paying attention. Yeah, when he's healthy and focused, he is a great hitter. Yeah, he's a tremendous hitter. So there is a value to Aloy, uh, and you could get, you know, depending on on a team's needs, you could get some, you could you could get a starting pitcher back, for example, not a not a one or two starting pitcher, but somebody who's an actual major leaguer instead of what what they're going to have after Cisco's. Totally. Um, yeah, I think Aloy is actually a more attractive piece in a lot of ways just because he does fit the DH idea so perfectly. I mean, when you're talking about the potential DHs still out there, it's J.D. Martinez, who is older than me, uh, and you've got Eloy, who theoretically, if you take him out of the field, should be able to stay healthier, although he seems to get hurt every time he swings, uh, which is a problem, and any time he runs, uh, which is a problem as well. But maybe if you were on a different team with better strength and conditioning, uh, better coaching staff, you could keep him healthy. Because I do think if you can keep him healthy, he is – probably realistically the best DH candidate still out there. Now, I know he doesn't want to just be a DH, but nice guy. He is just a DH. I, I think it's time for him to face a little reality about what he's going to be. If he wants to make a lot of money and play Major League Baseball for a while, he needs to accept very soon that he is just going to be a DH. I will be very surprised if Eloy is a White Sox player on opening day. I I just think because this price tag is not going to be crazy and because every team needs a DH and a lot of them don't have good ones right now, uh, there's a really good chance that Eloy is going to move somewhere in exchange for, I, I think, a decent pickup, like you said. I, th- I think you could get a, a major league starter and potentially a couple minor league arms that could do something in the future. Um, but, you know, the White Sox aren't notorious for making the right moves. So I'm not <laughs> not putting a lot in this. We should take our break here. We'll come back and uh, do a little more 2023 wrap-up. And also uh, maybe we'll throw out a, a really early prediction for 2024 see what happens. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So uh, start clicking away on your calculator and we'll get that prediction when we come back on Sharing Socks. 
Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We have dissected the already illustrious moves of the Chicago White Sox. Um, let's talk about where we think the team might be in 2024. Uh, let's start by talking about the AL Central. Now, which now some- I, want you, I want you, before you get into that, I want to point out, bring into your thoughts before you start talking about it, that the Hall of Famer baseball person is back in Chicago and he's back as an advisor. I don't like to do air quotes, but I think that fits. And uh, my gosh, that absolutely brilliant baseball mind. How could anything go wrong? So go ahead. Well, I'll answer that. Uh, Anything (laughs) and everything could go wrong at all times if they're actually listening to him. I... I don't know that anybody is. I, I think it's quite possibly that Jerry threw his friend a job uh, to keep his friend out of trouble a little bit as much as he can uh, for an 80-year-old guy. But, um, yeah, uh, I if he is making any decisions whatsoever, this team's going to be even worse than my prediction. Uh, but before we get into our actual prediction, we got to talk about the AL Central, what has changed and what hasn't. So we've seen teams get worse. I think Minnesota has realistically gotten a little worse. Uh, I haven't seen anything from Cleveland that really excites me. Uh, the Tigers talking about them uh, trading pitchers, you know, Bieber, but they haven't. No. Um, the Tigers seem to be a little bit in the. We've been doing the rebuild. Now it's time for step two of the rebuild to make us into a winning team. They hope have healthy pitchers coming back. Correct. And if those guys all come back healthy, that's actually not a bad major league staff. It's it's not great by any means, but it's definitely better than potentially everyone else in the AL Central if they all stay healthy. The Royals have even been... Royals are acting like they want to be a major league baseball team. They're not I know. going crazy, but they're but they're picking up players that are pretty. But every pretty every good. every big potential person I see on MLB trade rumors that the Royals are talking to them every day. I feel like I wake up and they're like the Royals are now in on this conversation. I don't know if that's Bobby Witt saying, "You guys got to do something. Come on, <laughs> you got to do something." If I'm going to be stuck here this long. Um, but they seem to be trying to at least advance. I I mean, in reality, I think the Royals are making moves to take them from fifth place to fourth place or third place, probably yeah, fourth place. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tigers, I think, are making moves, especially if their pitchers come back healthy, to maybe win the AL Central because it is extremely winnable for a mediocre team. I think the Tigers in three years are a team – to be very, very concerned about. Um, But they did lose Eduardo Rodriguez to the Diamondbacks, uh, so their ace, as it were, is gone. Um, They have very exciting young players. Uh, The Twins have said that they are going to cut payroll uh, and seem to have been doing just that um, to some extent. That's an interesting thing, and I really don't know. I don't have a list of the teams involved, but you know that – the the collapse of the the uh, regional sports networks has had is going to have coming forward a, a big 
impact. And the twins were the first one to acknowledge that they're losing huge amounts of money, TV revenue, huge for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and other teams, one team, I just, just yesterday, one team uh, decided to form its own network, which is of course the things that being done in the major markets already. Correct. Um, uh, but not San Diego was one that was dependent on, on that network. And that's one of the reasons that they're no longer going hundreds of millions on everybody that comes rolling along. Uh, that's uh, that's going to make the situation between big and small markets even worse than it is. Correct. Absolutely it is. I mean, it's all uh, the TV rights stuff is an absolute disaster for Major League Baseball. Uh, just one quick thing. Uh Lord Escuriel Jr. has gone to the Diamondbacks, stayed with the Diamondbacks. That is a name that was floated uh, to potentially being connected to the White Sox in some way and is clearly. Yeah, it was at one time. Uh, yeah. But doesn't he but wants to get Clearly paid, no longer he? connected. He probably American wants money. to get paid. The, yeah. uh, the deal is not, they have not said what the deal is, but uh, that is a. It, it a won't be huge, will but it be still could be, be beyond the White Sox. Uh, okay, so predictions for 2024, wins and losses. What do you got? Okay, we have no idea what the team's going to be now. So it's, 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 but I guess some of the, some of the, uh, some of the big boys are already making some predictions. So as it stands, the team is essentially as it is on this day, which I can't ever remember what it is, like it's December 17th, right? Uh, <laughs> going into Christmas, I think they may be worse, and uh, I'm I'm going to go in the hundred and three loss area. They won't have sixty wins. Uh, now that's if nothing more happens, and I think think they'll do something. I think think they have to. But, uh, but it's only firing they... Pedro Griffal, which is going to happen at, at the middle of the year. Yeah. But, uh, I, I just don't know what they could do, though, that's going to make them better in 2024 than no. they were last year. Like no. they, you, you could get some of these guys, some of the minor leaguers that they've gotten, uh, both picked up at, at the at the deadline and picked up from Atlanta. Uh, there are a bunch of pitchers out there that have not shown, particularly the ones picked up from the deadline, did not show anything the second half of the year. They, they did not go, Correct. oh, man, he's going to be in the majors in 2024 and doing well. There was none of that, but it could happen. It it can happen that some of these young guys uh, just find it. And you know, one one thought is Eric Fetty. While the excitement over getting him is really small, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's not impossible. Uh, he he was a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, pitcher in the major leagues, uh, but he had an excellent year in Korea. Now Korea's Korea. But the mentioning was not that he was doing the same thing, but it worked well because he's in Korea. But he developed a whole new pitching style, a whole new pitch uh, that he didn't have before. Sometimes pitchers find it. Sometimes pitchers get, you know, well, I never had a curveball, and now I got a curveball kind of thing. Uh, it's possible he'll be good. Uh, now that gives us two starting pitchers if he doesn't get traded. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not leaving my 103, 104 prediction. Where are you? So, you know, in my opinion, as it stands, we will be 
maybe not significantly worse, but maybe not not significantly worse. <laughs> uh, I think 2024 is going to be a year of absolute devastation <laughs> for the White Sox. I, I do. I just, when you look on look at what's on the roster and what we're going to be putting out there, uh, even if you do make some of these deals, which actually I think any deal you make uh, with these guys is not actually going to benefit you in 2024. It's more likely to benefit you in 2025, 2026, 27. Uh, I am going to go very bold here, and I'm going to put the White Sox at 109 losses. Whoa, right, big time. And you know, I, another thing we haven't talked about, it, it, it's, it'll be interesting. When we talk about these huge numbers of losses. Okay, we got one superstar. Yeah. In 2023. In 2022, I mean, Luis has always had incredible ability. In 2022, even before he hurt his hand and they forced him to go out there with a hand that must have been a terrible pain, he didn't care. I mean, well, let's say this. He may have cared. It didn't look like he cared. It looked like he sure. had just phased out the whole thing. And I think it's because he had such crap in left and right field that he thought, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I've got, I've he, got a, I've got a, a horrible, cover. horrible foul line coach. Foul line. They're, they're just trying to kill me out here to heck with it. Uh, last year, at least he got Ben Intendi, who had a very bad defensive year for a guy who has historically been a good defender. Not great, but pretty good defender. Uh, so maybe he's that. Well, at least they're trying. And Colas, while he was horrible in a lot of ways, at least could run to get to a ball if he happened to head in the right direction. So Luis went. I mean, I don't think there was a game last year where I thought, "Well, Luis is phoning this one in." Uh, no, no. I mean, I mean, I think he was out there a hundred percent every time. Can he keep that up if the team is as horrible again as it looks like it's going to be? It's rough to get that enthusiastic to play that hard when you got nothing but crap all the way around you. I mean, I, I think your only inspiration is the hope of playing for someone else. Yeah. Um, well, that may have been what last year was. <laughs> and I def I definitely do think it was that, I mean, he's looking around at a team that was guaranteed to essentially lose a hundred games. So you are playing now, in fairness, it was resume. down to the wire. It was down to the last week on whether they just lose 99. <laughs> it was. They made it to the last week. It was very exciting television. Uh, I, I think Luis was likely playing for Luis last year, as he should have been, um, and as he needs to in this upcoming year, because the last thing you want to see is for him to throw in the towel and then not get the kind of contract or respect he deserves. When you hear other teams' executives talk about Luis, they do talk about him like the player he is. I mean, they refer to him as an elite baseball talent. They refer to him as a potential superstar of the game. I think if Luis Robert was wearing a jersey uh, that had more wins attached to it, we would be talking about Luis Robert as if he is a top five, top ten player in all of baseball. Because... When it comes down to the actual tools the man possesses, he is. I mean, he absolutely yeah. I mean, his, is. If you look, if you're really digging out, I've got to find a weakness. Well, of course, he swings at too many bad pitchers. 
that that's right. weakness number one. Uh, can he correct that? I don't know. Uh, somebody needs to work with him on that. Certainly, pitch identification, studying studying pitchers better. That's a whole White Sox thing. Is that I don't think they ever study opposing pitchers. I think, oh yeah, that's a no. video. Cool, it's Mickey Mouse on it. Uh, yeah. And the other thing is arm. While it's strong, he really has a tendency to moonball it. Uh, so somebody needs to really work on keeping those throws to the infield down. And I know yeah. from center field, it's a more difficult throw if you're going home because of, of the mound. It, it's a problem. Steve Stone talks about it a lot. Uh, but those two things, I mean, other, everything else about it, the, the, the defensive coverage, uh, the range, the power, the speed, I mean, it's it's all there. And those are – everybody swings at some bad pitches. And if he just cuts it down a little bit, uh, you're going to see a lot more offense. And then defensively, it doesn't come up that much that he has to make those throws. But it does. And people run on him. And they, they know it. I do think that Luis Robert will come out absolutely monstrous in a good way. Uh, in the start of the 2024 season. I I think Luis will likely be playing for the hope that he is gone by the deadline. Uh, and I think in return, he's going to play as well as he can so that the White Sox can benefit from that so that there is actually value in getting rid of Luis Robert, which is a crazy thing to say. Again, that's not value that's going to affect 2024 in any way. That is going to be value that affects 26, 27, 28, 29. Speaking of value, let's do a value prediction. Last season, Major League Baseball ticket sales up 6%. That's really good. White Sox ticket sales down 19%. Major League Baseball television, I don't remember the percentages, viewership up. White Sox television viewership down with Jason Benetti. What are they going to do? Because they're just going to throw some slub on them. We'll be fine. I mean, they'll have a guy who's, who can do a decent play-by-play, but they're not going to get anything special because they're not going to pay for anything special. So uh, the TV ratings, I mean, you just <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even think we've talked about it on the podcast yet, but Benetti was probably the worst offseason move for the White Sox. Uh, obviously, the Tigers, I think they agreed to 117 games or something like that. So they gave him a deal that's going to allow him to do much bigger sporting events uh, in other sports, uh, which he totally deserves. because Especially I've, college football. Comes I've, I've watched him call college football. I've watched him call hockey. And the dude is good at both of those <laughs> he is just a a mastermind when it comes to uh sports sports coverage during games uh what a loss what a huge yeah, huge yeah. blow know, I, I read some comments from people when he left well he just talks too much on, and, and he does talk a lot you don't have to talk that much on on tv but these were real i think these were comments and that somebody didn't like it. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't like the fact that he's funny. Well, Jerry Reinsdorf, you will stick it, as we all know. Uh, yeah. I think for the real, real hardcore baseball fan, which I am one, but I still love Benetti. But for the real, real hardcore baseball fan, maybe Jason was a little too flippant. But for the casual fan, which is 90% 
of your potential TV audience, maybe more than 90%. He brought you in. There were a lot of games I just kept watching because he and Steve were having so much fun. I mean, the only only reason to watch All those years where you thought, well, Steve Stone is a schlub because he was working with Ken Harrelson, who obviously couldn't stand. And once Benetti came, you go, Steve's insights are pretty damn good. Uh, oh yeah, I mean they. Uh, if you, I like to look at the lists of like who the best local announcing duos are in all of baseball. Benetti and Stone are top three on every list, and you're talking about a duo that hadn't been together that long and was dealing with a team that wasn't worth watching, and they were still in the top three on all these lists. Usually, top two, and. Who, who was, I mean, when Vin Scully was still working, of course, he was number one. But This is this is post-Vin, uh, but uh, the Giants duo tended to be the, yeah. the number one duo. Um, but that's incredibly special. I mean, that tells you, anyone who said Benetti talks too much, I think what you would find is if Benetti was working for a team where baseball was being played, he would <laughs> not talk as much uh, in terms point. of of riffraff but when you're watching a white Sox game you've got no baseball to watch i mean you you've got waiting for luis robert to bat and then you got the ball hit to it <laughs> and yeah and you gotta fill the other two hours and 20 minutes with something and there was nobody better at filling time i i think anybody even even if you're a baseball purist anyone who says benetti talked too much was too comedic was too flippant I mean, that was why we loved him. It, it's it, if that was why you didn't Absolutely. love him, that's a much, much, much well, and, smaller. And combined group. with the fact he knew what the hell he was talking about, he wasn't a clown who happened Correct. to be sitting at a baseball booth. He was Correct. a baseball guy who happened to clown. Well, we we can say is because Benetti is still alive. He is a baseball guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, Jason. <laughs> um, now he might be in some ways dead to us for going to Detroit of all places, but uh, I, I think it's just a massive loss for for the team and and for for White Sox broadcasting. It's exactly what you said. They're going to bring in somebody who can do play by play, somewhat fine. You got to pray that it's not Gordon Beckham, uh, and then you've got Stone still, who's who's great when he's there. But as you said, Stone was great because of Jason Benetti and the respect that they had for each other. They respected each other so much in that booth and what each person could offer, and they were very different guys. I mean, they are very different guys, and. What you saw was them realizing, like, oh, we got the good rat-a-tat-tat because we have completely different things about this game that we love and like to talk about. But the other guy likes listening to what the other guy talks about. And that is everything for sports broadcasting, is having two guys with two completely different wells of knowledge who like to talk about different things, but the other guy likes to listen. And that's what we had in Benetti and Stone, which was so special. I think I think Benetti was far and away the worst thing to happen to this offseason uh, was to lose Jason. And I get it. I get why Ryan Storff would be like, oh, well, you kind of point out the bad things a bit too much as well. But that's what we like to hear as baseball fans. We don't need you to sugarcoat well, you know, this. If you talk the most famous 
broadcaster I think that the White Sox had. They didn't have him that long, but he was when I became a White Sox fan. And, but his whole career was humongous. Harry Carey really pointed out when the team stunk. Yeah. And fans loved him for it. Yeah. It's reality. It's and a Jason difference between. Do Jason doesn't do it anywhere close to the amount that Harry did. But he did it. And Jason also does it in an extremely respectful way, yeah. Uh, which which I think is why it's such a misfire not to do everything to bring him back because he's not up there going, you know, so-and-so stinks and we're bums. He's just up there critiquing the game, critiquing the organization, and Stone was doing the same things with him. He would do a little damage control, but – there was nothing major ever. There were no controversies uh, by something Jason Benetti said. The guy is a sports broadcasting genius. He knows where the boundaries are and where those lines are. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was never going, what the hell was Tim thinking about on that play? Uh, exactly. Which, which most of us were thinking. But. Yes, he would say, well, that was an interesting decision, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I really appreciated. So thank you, Jason, for all of your work over these last few years. Without you, I'm not sure you have half of the White Sox fans <laughs> that you still have right now. So endlessly valuable. Um, I am a little relieved he's not going to have to focus on watching this 2024 White Sox team for his own sanity and uh, mental well-being and that he has gone to a team that at least seems like they're trying to win. Uh, but, you know, I, I really, really wish the White Sox had worked something out to keep him. He he is just, in in many ways, Benetti became a face of the franchise, which probably is what Reinsdorf hated the most. It prob- probably worked. Yeah. Um, because it was never talking about the coaches or the front office or in a lot of ways, the players, like when people talk, White Sox fans talk about the White Sox, they tend to talk about how good Benetti and Stone are. I mean, <laughs> when I'm, when I'm talking with my White Sox buddies, we're most often talking about things that Benetti has pointed out or Stone has pointed out. Uh, we'll see if we have that in, in 2024, but this, this whole concept of he talked too much, uh, if you like watching dead air, I, I get it. Um, but dead air is really, really, really bad for baseball. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of why we got a pitch clock, uh, because we were getting to the point of about an hour of dead time in every baseball game. Um, Benetti was just stellar at keeping you somewhat mentally invested for, for two, two hours and 45 minutes or three hours and 15 minutes. Uh, huge, huge loss for the White Sox. Massive loss. Um, so I am going with a 109 wow. losses that are brutal to sit through uh, if you decide to watch any of them, which I will. Uh, I'm look, sure. They're going to have good middle deep. Of course, they had some when they <laughs> When they had Harrison, they had a good second baseman. They got rid of him. <laughs> Bye, Josh. You can catch the ball. We don't need you. Uh, one thing they did come that with that with the, that I, I haven't mentioned on the show with the trade that picked up the five guys from Atlanta. He picked up two good defensive middle infielders. And how did you do it? By getting rid of the pitcher most dependent on good middle infield because Aaron Bummer throws ground balls after ground balls after ground balls. Yeah. And now with this middle infield, he might've been okay. 
other than the fact that he always liked to walk the first guy up. But <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about you know reasons to tune into baseball, watching a couple guys you don't really know being pretty good at defense is not really gonna do a whole lot for the excitement of the game. It for for us. When the team's doing well, yes, you notice solid middle infield defense a lot. Uh, but when your team is just getting shelled and only two guys can hit, uh, you tend to not care quite so much about a guy's range at second base. It's just, <laughs> it, it falls by the wayside uh, a little bit. Uh, so yes, even with a slight uptick in defense, I'm going to go with 109 losses. Slight um, uptick of Yohan Makata. Well, okay. The so you, he's able to play. So you know more than anyone that I have always been a Yohan Makata fan, and uh, he's making yes. it hard, making it harder for me every year. Um, of course, I want to say yes. I want to say yes. We're going to see an uptick from Makata. I just don't know why we would. And if it was a whole new coaching staff, if they really gutted the place, if they really tried to reverse the image of the franchise, if they went for some, you know, free agents that have been on good teams and have earned respect, then maybe you do see a slight uptick from Moncada. However, that's clearly not the case. So I... I don't know why we would see an uptick from Mankata. I just don't. I The motivation will be lacking, and he is a guy who, if he is not motivated, he is bottom third of the league. When he is motivated, he's maybe top third in the league. Because, again, like we were talking about Luis Robert, he doesn't have the skill set of Robert, but the dude has raw baseball talent. Absolutely. I mean, there is no doubt about it. I would love to see Moncada on a different team. Would love to see him on a different team. Because I think if Moncada is playing for a good team, then we start to see the version of Moncada that we always thought we were going to see. Um, and I, I hate feeling that about my team, but it is the case. I mean, I, I'm super impressed that Luis Robert turned in the year he did last year. Uh but I think Luis Robert is motivated for the future of Luis Robert. And uh, Mankata, I think, is so wishy-washy at this point that there's not necessarily a huge deal in his future. Um, the only possible thing is if his agents and his team are saying, look, put together three great months and we can get you out of there. Uh, that could motivate him to uptick. Um, but anything else, I, I, I just don't really see it happening. I hope it does. I hope it does because he shows flashes of being an absolute elite talent. Um, but I, I just don't know why it would happen at this point. It, it's, it's so unbelievably dysfunctional. We may have talked about it, but on the uh, list of, I think it was MLB or ESPN's list of worst franchises for 2024, the White Sox were in dead last place. Uh yeah, but, somebody's but, listed they, they were 30th. I, I saw another list where they weren't, where they made it to 28th, because it's hard to get worse than Oakland. I mean, you got to – Well and, – And Colorado. But the fact that anybody put them behind Oakland, <laughs> I mean, 
unless that is like the biggest Cubs fan on the planet making that <laughs> list, the fact that any non-biased person could put the White Sox organization behind an Oakland organization that doesn't know where they're necessarily playing ever again um, after next season. They've already formed a an independent team in Oakland called the Oakland Bees, um, which seems like a closer to the grade of what Oakland baseball is. They're still off by a few letters. Um, but the, the White Sox organization shocking we've mentioned this before will not really make any great changes until Reinsdorf's gone and until uh you've got new people in there who actually know baseball understand baseball care about baseball I I think Reinsdorf who are not professionally dedicated to being a tax attorney correct Reinsdorf is a tax attorney who bought baseball and basketball teams because they are huge huge tax write-off businesses yeah and that's all he is yeah yeah he he is just a a guy who has who made some smart purchases because i can tell you the white Sox are worth a hell of a lot more than what he bought them for Uh, but but interestingly yeah i mean he he and his cronies bought it for 20 million dollars and now they're worth a couple billion but the cubs sold a month later for less and are now worth more than twice as much as the White Sox are. So he's not a brilliant businessman. He's just along for the ride of what's happened with professional sports. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways it is brilliant. You you buy this thing. It's now worth $2 billion. You don't put any care or effort into it. It's not something he wakes up and thinks about. And yet he's a lot richer than he would have been. <laughs> um, so in that regard, I guess I'm impressed. He should be embarrassed that the Cubs are now worth infinitely more than the White Sox. I mean, I've uh, walking around LA, I've I've been rocking the Otani jersey with the Dodgers on the front. I get stopped on the street by, you know, one out of every five people to talk about it, and I would say a third of them have been Cubs fans who thought that Otani was potentially going to go there, which. <laughs> You know, I was sorry to break it to him, but I don't think Otani was ever going anywhere but the Dodgers. Um, not only based on reality, but also insider knowledge a little bit. And uh, I just don't think he was really going anywhere else ever. I think everything else was just to get that price from $600 million to $700 million, which he, he did do. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are Cubs fans. I'm in Hawaii and I'm talking to Cubs fans, and a lot of these guys are local, which is what's blowing my mind even more. These are Hawaiian guys who are saying, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs fan. And I asked them, okay, how the, Why? Heck, how the heck did that happen uh, out here in Honolulu? And a lot of them said, well, I got into baseball in 2015, 2016. And I said, well, if you got into baseball – in 2015, 2016, and all you hear is this really good team in Chicago could break a a hundred year curse. Then that's pretty exciting stuff. So maybe, and this is what I'll end with today, maybe Reinstorf is even more brilliant than we've ever thought. Maybe he's such a genius because what he is doing is he's making sure the White Sox aren't good again. Until twenty one oh or yes twenty one 
05. Because uh, they, the won, they won in 2005. What's more sexy than we could break a 100-year curse? I mean, look at Boston. Look at the Cubs. We were glued to the TV during all of that. <laughs> well, the White Sox won one that nobody remembers in 2005 against an Astros team that wasn't controversial. Uh, in fact, was quite the opposite. Had a lot of really nice guys on it and were really good at fundamental baseball. Uh, I think this is Reinsdorf's like, because Reinsdorf obviously is going to be alive in 2105. I don't know how, but the dude is somehow still going to be around in 2105. I, the way science is evolving, he, he's going to figure out how to just ruin our lives for a hundred more years. Uh, but I think we are going to pull the Cubs. We're going to lose until the new century, and then we're going to win. And my uh, goodness. That, that, that's a bold prediction. Uh, and I think you need oh. to put it in some form that people 100 years, because, well, Reinsdorf will be alive 100 years from now <laughs> and still holding on to the team for tax reasons. You and I are not going to be. So so you need to put that in some permanent location. Yeah, but all you need is all you need is that sound bite from a guy who was like, I remember I was one year old when the White Sox won in 2005. And now here I am at 101 and they could finally give it to me. I mean, we saw that stuff everywhere when the Cubs were, were doing their thing. So that, that is my, my hottest and boldest prediction is a 2105 will be the next White Sox World Series win. We do have to go. We've run very long, uh, this week, but it is our end of the year episode. So. Uh, I I feel okay about that. Do you have any final thoughts before we yeah, say goodbye? Just uh, uh, a happy holidays to you, since we were together the last couple of weeks and won't be again. And uh, to we will be, but not, not through the holidays. Uh, and to all of our viewers, listeners, friends, poor, pitiful, sad White Sox fans. Same. Happy holidays to you and yours, which is me. So uh, I will take my own happy holidays from that exchange. Uh, and, of course, happy holidays to all of our listeners. Um, you know, feel free to comment. Send us any of what you think the White Sox could do to improve for 2024. I can't wait to hear what that might be uh, and, and what you think. It, and I also would like to hear if you think my prediction of our next World Series win coming in 2105 uh, being too hot of a take, or if you think that that's spot on, because there's only two options here. It's either spot on or it's way off. Uh, so let us know what you think. Mm. Happy holidays. Be well. As my old uh, math teacher, Mrs. Jivens, used to say, make smart, safe decisions. And we will see you again in 2024 on Sharing Socks.